Hello and welcome to episode four of the Wannabes podcast. And oh boy, do we got a good one today. The huge, gigantic, massive, insert synonym to the word big episode of the Wannabes <laughs> podcast today. We discuss the return of live sports. The first big American live sports event has officially taken place this past Ooh. weekend. Yes, sir. And hopefully it's more to come. So we're going to dive into how that UFC event looked and what it means for the future of sports over the next few months. And next, we take the next step into our podcast experience with our first guest of the show. We are joined by our good friend, USC baseball alumni and Houston Astros prospect CJ Stubbs. It's a great conversation with CJ where we get into his career changing in his, in his college days, the mentors he's had, including his older brother Garrett, who is also in the Astros organization, the day he was drafted, and much more. This episode of The Wannabes is sponsored by the law offices of Alfano & Flynn. Established in 1948, Alfano & Flynn is a leading regional law firm serving Hartford County in North Central Connecticut. With offices in Suffield and Hartford, Connecticut, the practice has a proven record of innovation and the highest quality for individual, institutional, and corporate clients on a broad range of legal needs. Their mission is to provide clients the highest quality legal services in an efficient, cost-effective, and responsive manner to help them achieve their goals. Google Alfano and Flynn to find their contact information today. Wow. Wonder how we got that ad. Huh. No clue. All right. Well, it's about that time. We got sports on line one. Hit it! Here's the pitch to Lofton. Fly ball, center field. Erskine says he's got it. Erskine makes the catch! The Anaheim Angels are the champions of baseball! Toss to White. He's in! Patriots win the Super Bowl! Brady has his fifth! What a comeback! San Diego Chargers announced this morning that after 56 years in San Diego, the team is moving to Los Angeles. And for corrections this week, there are none, I'm sorry to say. Gentlemen were flawless. They're perfect in every way. Their, their podcasting was just, it was top tier this week. So I have nothing to say and no corrections to make. Third time's the charm, Nick. Good for us. Fight on to victory. Gange. There yes, were sports in North America that took place this past Saturday. Jacksonville, Florida. Jacksonville, Florida. The city that never sleeps. It's an underrated city in the continental United States. That's what I've heard from visitors. Your impressions of how the first fight night went but not just the fights themselves but how you thought the whole process worked up uh or how do you think the whole process went in lead up to the actual fights because it made news all over the place more so for the process of getting it ready as opposed to the fights themselves yeah i mean let's just start here it was this was the best weekend i've had in two months because <laughs> i actually had something i could watch it was Korean baseball awesome. and ufc Oh, what a one-two punch right there. Um, Unreal. But yeah, honestly, absolutely, weekend I thought was great. I was uh, with my two brothers this weekend, whole whole gang back in town celebrating our, my older brother's birthday. So we were all watching the fights together. And I thought it was absolutely awesome. I think I'm not a big UFC guy when it comes to actually understanding um, like 
what it takes um, mm-hmm. to be one of the better guys, all that, the ins and outs. But just the idea of sports in general, I going in, I thought the um, lack of fans was going to be an issue. And other than it was kind of weird when they would walk in to, uh, to the octagon, I didn't really, I like forgot about it. So overall it was awesome event. Like we said, awesome. We actually had something to watch. So I'm thank God for Dana White and fight Island or for the state of Florida for letting us fight. Who knows whatever you want to call it. I mean, shout out Jacksonville for not only hosting this past Saturday's fight, but there were two other fight nights Wednesday, which will be the night that this pod comes out Wednesday and Saturday. There were two additional fights, like whole fight nights over the next week in Jacksonville, same arena, which is awesome. So Credit to the Florida State Athletic Commission, even though I'm sure some would object to actually giving us something to watch over this week. That's been awesome. But I have to give it to Dana, too. When the news came out about the one positive COVID test, I thought for sure that it was going to get canceled. Like 110%, I thought it was going to get canceled. But you have to give it and hand, you know, big golf clap for the UFC executive committee for sticking to their guns. They had all the tests procured that they need. They had all the social distancing guidelines in place, with the exception of Joe Rogan in the ring, spattered by blood and other people's mucus and spit and sweat and whatever. They had everything in place so that they had the one positive test. They felt like that was an outlier. And the event went on as scheduled. I mean, you can say what you want about that being potentially dangerous, but I think that is a great omen for the return of sports over the next few months. I mean, that, well, that they they just laid out the blueprint for a fanless event like that. That's exactly what I was actually going to say there, Nick, that he laid the blueprint. It was going to take some commissioner, somebody to find a way to make it happen. And it, was, it wasn't going to be a team sport. It had to be the individual sport first because you can have a small amount of people there, the essential employees. Um, to say so i think dana white obviously it was a risk he did something that maybe people didn't want to be done but he put on a good event and like you said there was the one positive test that he said was an outlier and hopefully that's the case and that it's a sign for things to come and other commissioners and leagues could make it work for their uh, leagues as well so i'm fired up i'm optimistic for the first time in two months and hopefully the world is gonna start slowly getting back to normal and dana white king dana is kicking it off for us Cred to Dana. And there are some sports that I'm still pessimistic about. Like, I, I'm still pessimistic about the NBA. I think yeah, there's been yeah. some reports out of the NBA that really worry me. But baseball, we're recording this on Monday for those listening out there. This is going to come out on Wednesday. And on Monday, the MLB, the owners, agreed in principle to a deal that would start the MLB season up in June for spring training, start around July 4th weekend to start the season. Uh, have approximately an 82-game season, have the teams play at their home stadiums with no fans, and get a, as, you know, as great as this sounds, um, you know, get a, get a baseball season going. Um, the 82 yeah. games is really only half of what a normal season is, uh, and they would really only play their own, the people in their own division. So if you're the NL East, you know, and you're the Mets, you're really only playing the Braves and the Marlins and the Phillies and the Nationals. Um, but that's that's something. Uh, so I think that's that's something we can all really look forward to. I know we're both excited about it. I mean, a couple notes exactly. on the fact uh, of the of the deal that the owners approved on Monday and they're meeting with the players on Tuesday. So we'll see if the players can agree to the revenue split, uh, which was pitched as 50 50. Um, so I know there's going to be some contentious financial negotiations there. But they're also looking at a universal designated hitter. 
the geographical uh, schedules, as I mentioned, and a 30-man roster with a taxi squad, which means that you could have upwards of 50 players available for these games for any health situations that that may arise. So we've got oh, wow. sports hopefully coming back. We'll see how the negotiations run. And but Nick, what do you think about what you've heard of these proposals? Go ahead. So be, beyond even the point of all these rules and the shortened season, to me, this is a fact. We have a date. Like you said, July 4th weekend. Like, that's what that, I think we all need it. Date. That's that's literally all anyone was asking for. I think where I was struggling personally as a sports fan, as a human being in general, was there was no end in sight. Like, what we need a vaccine to break this whole thing up. That doesn't seem like it's coming for a year to 18 months is what that normally will take. So fact is, they had come up with a plan and given us a date. So I'm like, okay, if I know that in six weeks from now that baseball is going to be back, then that's just pure optimism, pure something I can count down to and all that. And obviously, I want a full season. I want the traditional divisions. But if we're going to have a different for a year and this very different year, then I'm, I'm okay with it. And I'm th- super excited for it. So, yeah. No, I, have, I haven't been this excited about the potential of sports coming back in a long time. And I have to say that I really hope that the MLBPA doesn't mess this up. Tony Clark, who runs the PA, basically said that uh, the owners approving that revenue share clause that I just mentioned is like them trying to put a salary cap on the league. Uh, and so I hope that that doesn't distract from the greater point here, which is that the MLB could be the first major American sports league to return in July. Uh, so we're really hoping for that. Uh, we also have to give a shout out negatively to uh, Norman Chad. Norman Chad goes on his column in the Washington Post and basically says, we need less sports, not more. Norman, go away, man. We don't need that negativity around here. I know Gange. Boo, Norman. Norman, get out of here, man. I hate that guy. World Series of Poker announcer, he just needs to stop there. He should stop writing columns in the Washington Post immediately. Can't take it. Can't take it one bit. All right, we appreciate you all listening to our Return of Sports segment. we got CJ Stubbs coming up. All right, we are very excited, stoked, whatever emotion you'd like to bring about to have our friend, first guest on the pod, CJ Stubbs. CJ is a great friend, USC baseball alum, and current Houston Astros prospect as well. CJ, before we kick things off, I do have to let you know that you're actually the third USC baseball alum I've ever interviewed in my life. But it's good company because the first was Barry Zito and the second was Mike Gillespie, who coached the 98 championship team in the College World Series. So you've you've now joined Elite Company. Congratulations. Well, that is good company, but I'm happy to be the first on the Wannabes podcast. Absolutely. Launching it, it right. Launching it right. Yes. Yes, CJ. Thank you very much for taking some time, helping out the pod. First guest of the best podcast in America. So... What a moment for you. I'm jealous of you, honestly. Yeah, but um, of course, CJ, of course. So CJ, kind of get things going. I um, just want to ask, obviously, with everything going on in the world, um, COVID, Corona, whatever you want to call it, baseball season's been put on hold. So I just want to ask you, what have you been doing over these last two months since, obviously, spring training got, got canceled? Um, yeah, so what have you been up to? Yeah, it's been a wild ride. Me and my buddies drove across the country and uh, to get to spring training. And then next thing you know, two days later, we're on a plane back. Um, and, uh, we've kind of been left in the dark for a little bit us minor leaguers, but we, uh, trying to stay in shape, uh, trying to find facilities that are open and staying clean. Um, 
first and foremost to stay safe. Um, so it's been hard, but I'm fortunate to have my brother. Um, we're able to work out together and, and play catch and hit together. So I've kind of got an advantage on a lot of guys, but it's been tough. I mean, a lot of people are struggling and I'm, I'm the least of many struggles out there. So uh, I'm just fortunate. Have you, yeah. I know you just mentioned you trying to stay in physical shape with the hope that the resumption of baseball season happens soon, hopefully sometime this summer. Is there any part of it where obviously spring training, you're not only gearing up physically, but you're gearing up mentally. Is there anything that you're doing to sort of gear up mentally for what could be a really quick, you know, between 80 and 100 game season that you might have to jump right into in June or July? Yeah, mentally, I uh, it's it's been interesting because I was so ready to get the season going. And then now I had to switch gears and kind of find my mental fortitude to get through all of this um, this COVID stuff. Um, but getting ready for the season, I mean, we're kind of on call. So we could be two months, the season could be canceled. So it's kind of hard to get um, a mindset around something that's concrete when there is nothing concrete. Um, but just trying to get through every day and staying in shape. My, my buddy uh, said to stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And that's what we're all doing. That's awesome. That's awesome. So let's switch gears here. Um, I think everyone talks about Corona enough, so we can kind of move on from that. You uh, mentioned that you have had the benefit, though, of your brother, Garrett, who also is with the Houston Astros organization, has made it up um, to the MLB. I want to kind of ask you about that, since, in a sense, you followed his footsteps, being Fred Torrey Pines baseball player, then, fought, then USC, and then ended up getting drafted by the Astros as well, what kind of impact has he made for you in your career, um, both in baseball and just maybe as a, just as you grow up as a man? Yeah, he's, he's made it pretty easy on me, to be honest. Um, showing up at SC and knowing a lot of the guys, um, knowing what to do, knowing what to expect, and then somehow getting drafted by the same team he's with, already knowing the, uh, the organization and knowing where he's going to be, where he's been, where I'm going to go. Um, being at some of the places that he's already been and knowing some of the people that he's already met. So I've actually had an easier route um, because of him. And I'm very fortunate of that. So his footsteps have been easy to follow. Have there been any skills that he has either on the baseball field or something intangible about how he carries himself? that you feel you've really latched onto and identified with and have now carried on with you as well, either through college and through the last year or so um, being a pro ball player. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a very visual learner and okay. so I've been able to watch him for years and the way he catches is something a lot of people have never been able to do. He won the Johnny bench at USC and that's a, a very highly touted uh, award and being able to watch him catch and being able to try and mirror some of the things that he's done um, has been something that I've really tried to do. Um, and that's where he's helped me the most. Awesome. Yeah, CJ, I kind of want to ask you about. Um, so I assume most people listening may know this, but if you don't, CJ and I have known each other since we were 10 years old. Um, we joined the same travel baseball team or I joined the team. CJ was already on. And CJ, it's been obviously very cool getting to play with you growing up playing together in high school and then watching you at USC when I was working for the athletic department there. And it all cult 
to me, kind of ended up with, um, with the day you got drafted. And for me, that was a day I'll never forget being at your house with all your family, some friends, and being drafted by the Astros. I kind of want to ask you, what was that day like for you, you know, having all the loved ones around and having your dream basically come true? Um, oh, that day. Poster. Uh, you got to see it. Uh, it was. <laughs> it was quite the day. It started off like a great day. I felt great going into the day. Got a little workout in, just trying to like pretend like I'm the man. Um, <laughs> the day got a little longer. Uh, the eighth round came along and a team called me and I just wasn't ready to take the amount of money that they gave me because I had the USC in my back pocket to go back to. And that education is so important. Um, and my feelings got a little hurt because I wasn't able to accept that. Um, the day got a little longer. People got a little quieter at my house. And uh, next thing you know, I uh, get a call with one pick left in the second day in the uh, 10th round. And next thing you know, it's the Houston Astros and my family went crazy. And my brother was in Houston. Um, training, getting ready for a game. And he was watching the draft and he was filled with emotions. I've obviously was through the moon and it was a, it was a great day and I'm happy you were able to share it with me. So 10th round pick CJ, there's, there's obviously with the exception of the upcoming draft this summer, there's more rounds in the MLB draft than there are, I believe in any other major American sports draft. I'm thinking of just football and basketball specifically. I know hockey has a lot but there's a lot in the MLB. Can you explain for people listening what you meant by when you got that call in the eighth round, the money they were talking about on that call in comparison to the call you got from the Astros in the 10th? Yeah. So, um, a, whew, probably six years ago now, the draft was, was done much differently where you could call a guy and you could pretty much offer him any signing bonus you wanted. Um, since then now there's slot values and teams are only allowed to offer so much money. Um, and that makes sense, um, for owners and all that jazz. Mm -hmm. Um, so the eighth round came along and, um, the team that had called me only had so much money that they wanted to give me coming out as a senior and saving money for that third day, because the first two first day is the first two rounds. The second day is the third through the 10th. Okay. And then the third day is the 11th through the 40th rounds. And, um, so that eighth round call, they offered me X amount to, um, join them. And I knew that there was more money on the table, um, for the third day at least. Um, so I had to make that decision. It was kind of an ego decision, you know, cause, um, you want to be able to say, yeah, I went in the eighth round, like on that second day, single digit round, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to make a decision for yourself and, and set the ego aside. And it ended up working out, obviously. So what's different from the MLB draft, I guess, in comparison to NBA and NFL is you were actually able to financially capitalize more on your 10th round selection than you would have been in the eighth round. Do I have that right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Very cool. Yeah. So. So obviously, CJ, the just kind of changed a little. The draft is very different this year. I actually think I found out in the past few days it's going to be five rounds total, and then guys can sign for no more than 20k. But there's an unlimited amount of people they could sign. 
What is your opinion on that? Obviously, you're fortunate to have left and got drafted the year before. But what, like, what's your opinion on all that happening? What would advice you'd give for maybe some of your old USC teammates who have that op? Like, that's their only option. I'm kind of yeah. curious about your thoughts there. Yeah, it's a sticky situation because everyone's trying to make money, including the owners, and so they're not going to make as much money this year because of the fewer games and no one in the stands. So they had to make a decision that we aren't going to be able to give as many players out of the draft money, and they had to shorten it. I don't know if it's exactly five rounds. They could extend it to 10, but regardless, it's still going to be shorter. Um, As far as um, people that are being put in that position that are draft kids, I would love to give them advice, but I really don't have it. If I was in their position a year ago today, I wouldn't be playing baseball anymore. Maybe I'd still be at SC, but my dream would have been been done. So um, everyone's just kind of in a, in a in a waiting game. So we'll see what happens. There's there's definitely a lot of talent there that's going to go in those five rounds at SC, though. Yeah, I know what uh, I don't know if I saw on Twitter or somebody wrote a different article. People saying how stacked uh, junior college baseball is going to be next year because all those guys they're going to want the money the next year and all that. So I'm. At least personally, yeah. I think that's going to be interesting. Yeah, to it'll be interesting. A lot of college teams are going to see that that they're so stacked right now, they're going to lose their players. And a lot of colleges aren't going to lose their great players in those late rounds just because they have to sign. So they're going to come back, and mm-hmm. um, you might see some some lower power fives that really can excel this year. Mm. That's an interesting Interesting point to start the, I guess, what would be the the 2021 season too, right? I mean, the whole college baseball landscape could change at that point. Definitely. And uh, we're rooting for that college football season so all those other sports can happen. Right. No, that's a good point too. Great point. You mentioned with the the difference in player intake that might happen over the summer, um, but as we move on and think about as these proposals have come out for play actually starting as opposed to uh, the drafting of, of the amateur ball players, is there a time frame that you feel that you need maybe based on what league you hope to perform at this summer, this fall, but is there a, a rev up time that you feel like you need to have an opening day on call it July 4th? Like if they're going to say opening day is July 4th, how much time do you feel you need? And maybe this can be catcher specific uh, in terms of getting your body and your mind ready for July 4th. Yeah, I'd imagine um, that they send us to some sort of spring training, um, whether that be three weeks or a month. Um, I don't know. I would need hopefully um, two weeks to get myself in catching shape. Okay. Um because being ready for that 95 mile an hour fastball from whoever that you don't know where it's going, you got to be sharp for that. And you don't want to show up to spring training looking lazy and um, just kicking balls all over the place. Cause that's going to put you in a bad position. Right. So I would say sure. I need like two weeks, the hitting thing. I, I don't believe in spring training um, will make or break me. Um, I can figure that out once I see a, a competitive fastball. All right. So yeah, I kind of want to dive in. Um, growing up with you and anyone in our circle knows that you're without a doubt, the most competitive guy I think any of us have ever met. And <laughs> to the point where 
uh, Trent, Nick, I don't know if you know this, our high school group, we'll tell, basically say CJ, we'll say you won't. And then that'll just get CJ to do it because he wants to prove to us he can't do it. Okay. And which is it can be very interesting. But um, but see, I think that's obviously had to have played a huge role in how you've been so successful as an athlete, because whether it be on the baseball field, on the golf course, or even if we're playing video games or just who can throw like a ball closer to the wall, some random games like that, you've always been like you needed to win or you like get upset, which yeah. I think is positive trait as an athlete. So if you can speak on that, where does that come from? And kind of like, why do you think uh, you are that way? And how have you, has that attributed to the success you've had in your career so far? It's a funny question. Uh, Cause it's been something that's stuck with me and I've, I've just was born with it. Um, I've just always wanted to be, um, I've always wanted to compete at the end of the day. Um, winning, winning comes with competing. Um, so just any sort of challenge that gets thrown my way, I like to, I like to take it. Um, obviously I don't win every time. Like you like to remind me of, and, he does not, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, have I, it's a mindset, you know, you, you go throughout every day and, and you try to win the little things so you can win the big things. And I think that's where it really comes from. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, definitely for us and the, the ping pong and, uh, pool games that we would just play for hours on end. We're treated like the Super Bowl or world series in our and eyes. I am and, a professional athlete today. <laughs> there we go. It's why I'm a professional podcaster today, CJ. Absolutely. There it is. <laughs> CJ, when you have a competitive edge like that, I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, it would be hard not to set goals for yourself about what you want to accomplish either, you know, for one day at the plate, one day catching throughout, you know, a, a three game series or, or throughout a season for that matter. So, you know, in terms of the macro, however many games this season ends up being, I know it's been hard to to train and get ready so far because there hasn't really been a formal spring training. But do you have any performance goals in mind for this year about, um, you know, anything you hope to improve skill wise behind the plate, what you possibly hope to hit a certain league level you may hope to get to within the shortened season? Have any of those thoughts entered your mind yet? Yeah, I um with all of the technology that we have today and all of the statistics that I don't know how they're calculated, but they are calculated. Um, <laughs> things like behind the plate for me, um, trying to work on my framing and my receiving because it's, it's such a big part of the game today, uh, stealing strikes and, uh, really just keeping your, your pitcher comfortable, making a, making a big, big miss look small. Um, something I'm really trying to work on and it's something that will help me improve and get to those levels that I want to be at, um, to put a, I don't think that I could really tell myself I want to make it to this level this year or next year, because that is just setting a ceiling for myself. Um, you never know what happens. I'm not going to say someone can go from low A to the big leagues in one year. It has happened, but, just playing the, to the best of your ability every day is what will allow those goals to happen. And the goal is really to be in the big leagues. You're either in the minor leagues or the big leagues. Mm -hmm. No one cares if you're in AAA or the big leagues. So at the end of the day, you're always just working for that goal of, of being a major leaguer. Absolutely. Um, See, so yeah, I kind of want to go back to USC going into uh, what was supposed to be your junior year and 
you had a strong freshman year, strong sophomore year, and then found out you had to get Tommy John surgery, which was obviously a major setback. And you're not the first person, won't be the last person to go through it. Uh, how was how did that experience, like, how did it change you in the positive, for, let's say? Uh, like, yeah. how was that uh, able to help you up the success you're at? Definitely, um, it was it was a it was a punch in the mouth for uh, about two months. Um, going from the robo arm to being able to be <laughs> free, that was a big step, yeah. and uh, especially mentally. But I, I definitely have a weird route that I've taken to get to where I am today. I was actually a pitcher when all of that happened, and I was training to come back as a pitcher. So when uh, the summer came around July and I got a co co uh, call from my coach, Dan Hubs, and he asked me to catch again, um, I was obviously ready for the call. And I wanted to do that because it was something that was going to help the team. I didn't know how much of an impact it would have on the rest of my baseball career and allowing me to get drafted. Who knows what would have happened if I stayed as a pitcher. Um, but uh, I, I look back and can only imagine that it's it's it was a positive for me. That year off was um, good mentally, and it it kicked me into shape. And I, I imagine the competition that SC baseball provides, both internally, whether you're at practice or scrimmaging with the guys, or the Pac-12 schedule that you're playing, obviously provides you with a good look at you know, what your future potential could be. And I know from talking to Barry Zito playing in the old Pac-10 back in the 90s, he compared the Pac-10 to the Cal League and basically said when he finished up his collegiate career and played in the Cal League, he felt like the competition was basically the same. So USC really prepped him for that jump. Do you feel the same way about where you've gone since you've left school? Or do you feel like even despite USC's you know, great baseball program that there's still a big jump to pro ball. Definitely. I, I found that going from college to pro ball, um, especially in the PAC 12, which is, has so many great pitchers. Um, they're very, they're very polished pitchers, especially coming from those UCLA's, the Stanford's, the Arizona States, you find a lot of polished pitchers right when you jump into to pro ball, they're trying to develop your strength and your velocity and how well you can throw a curveball. And they take a step back from being as polished as hitting a corner. So I, I found that it was almost easier in a sense from a hitting standpoint because I needed to learn more about myself and learn to get a pitcher in the zone mm -hmm. rather than a pitcher – being able to immediately just be in the zone and work his way out of the zone, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. Um, so I found that the Pac-12 really prepared me for that. Um, and as the levels go up, pitchers are going to be even more polished and have better stuff, and it just gets harder and harder. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And CJ, what I always am curious to know um, with every professional athlete, even college athletes, is it seems like everyone had somebody who pushed them or who motivated them like to a, a whole new level. So maybe outside your immediate family, because I know your parents and your brother played a big role. Was there a coach or a mentor in your life that played maybe an extra large role in your athletic career that uh, you can like speak to today? Yeah, I think there's, I think there's a couple. Um, going way back, uh, someone who instilled that mindset of winning and, and wanting to continually grind and um, 
is a guy named Greg Wolfson, who was who was our uh, Pop Warner coach way back in the day. But just at a, a very young age, he taught us how to be strong on the field and and continually have the mindset of uh, wanting to be better than the than the guy next to you. Um, another guy is is uh, Kirk McCaskill, our high school coach. He was awesome, and he really taught me what the game of baseball looks like at a higher level. Um, he wasn't trying to treat us like kids. He wanted us to um, play at the highest level we could, not not to the high school level. And I thought that was um, a huge takeaway that I had from him. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks, CJ. We appreciate you joining us as the first guest on the Wannabes pod. It's been great talking to you. Everybody follow CJ on Instagram. Follow the future star of the Houston Astros as he, he takes his journey. And I know we've all been looking at these reports from all our favorite baseball journalists about whether the season will return and, and when it will return and, and this new proposal being tossed around. And I know we're regardless of the outcome, hopeful that we'll start seeing some baseball as, as June and July comes through. And CJ, we wish you nothing but the best, man. Appreciate it and hope to see you soon. Well, thank you guys. Hopefully we can do this again when we're all at a bigger stage. Absolutely. Stage that's only the dream. Bigger that's and brighter. Appreciate it. Thanks, CJ. And that's all we have for episode four of The Wannabes. We appreciate everybody listening. Thank you so much to CJ Stubbs, first guest in the pod history. Can't wait to watch what that kid does on the ball field. And don't forget to like, subscribe, follow us on every channel, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Instagram, Twitter, at Wannabes Podcast. Give us a like, please. And the views, man, and the views. Happy belated Mother's Day. Thanks to all the frontline workers. Peace.